Welcome to Startup to Scale, a podcast by Food Bevy. I'm your host, Jordan Buckner. Join me as I talk to aspiring entrepreneurs, seasoned industry experts, and everyone in between as we unlock the keys to growing from startup to scale. Hey, everyone, and welcome to today's conversation where we're talking about trends in the food and beverage industry for 2023. It's the end of the year, and that means the crazy time for the food and beverage industry where we're dealing with Black Friday, Cyber Monday, holiday sales, and Q1 better for you season. But with all that going down, we have a ton to look forward to for the upcoming year. And so for this conversation, I've invited on my friend, Monica Waltras, who is the managing editor of Food Business News and editor of Food Entrepreneur for this conversation. Welcome. Hi, thanks for having me, Jordan. So you get to talk with so many founders and kind of get the inside scoop of what brands are dealing with. I know we're kind of hearing a lot of the same things. So I'd love just to start off and think about like for 2022, this current year, what are some of the trends or or kind of changes in the industry that that you've seen as we close out the year it's been a very challenging year for emerging brands in this space just between getting through the supply chain challenges getting access to capital just keeping their cash on hand so they can survive so unfortunately i've seen a number of brands have to close up this year I think it's just kind of been a rough year all around. I think we'll see a continuation of some of those challenges in the coming year. Yeah, I've been experiencing the same thing. And it's always really challenging because, you know, being a founder myself and having to close down my business, I've been through that firsthand and know how how disappointing and challenging to be in every situation is different. And also I've seen a lot of founders really use this time to solidify like what's working with their business and creating a leaner company where they're focused on survivability and not just surviving, but kind of setting their business up to thrive and based on best business practices. And so for those who have been able to continue on really kind of honing in on what makes their business and product special. And I think that's been really cool to see as well. In spite of that, I would say it's kind of surprising to see how much innovation is coming out um, yeah. during this period. And I, I've seen a lot of limited time, limited batch introductions, a lot of collaborations and co-branded products. And I think that that's a creative way that founders are navigating some of the challenges is, is staying on top in, on top of consumers' minds with these limited edition product launches. Yeah, that's cool. The one that I'm thinking about, I know you got to experience too, was the uh, TBH and Chubby's Nutella News PB&J sandwiches. And they were really good. I had the chance to try them. I think uh, my family and I ate the whole case that we got. So they're good. I ordered six cases. <laughs> I have a whole a whole shelf in my freezer dedicated to that product. It's, it's really amazing. And what's special about those two brands, Chubby Snacks, which is offering a better take on Uncrustables, which is a billion dollar business or heading that way. And then TBH offering a better take on Nutella in terms of sustainability and nutrition. The fact that those two brands came together to create this product that's indulgent and nostalgic, but also higher protein, lower sugar than the conventional counterpart really smart move and definitely a delicious product. It's my favorite launch out of the year, I would say. Oh, that's amazing. Are there any other co-branded partnerships that you've kind of seen that you thought were really neat? I mean, this year, just there have been so many standouts. 
So, I mean, it's it's all over the map and it spans so many different product categories. A really recent one that I that I saw that's coming out is between Renewal Mill, which is the the upcycled ingredients company. They transformed the the leftover pulp from plant milk production into a flour that's sustainable and gluten-free and and I think it's full of prebiotic fiber as well. So they recently partnered with Just Date, which is a, a supplier of date-based sweeteners. And they're doing a, a baking mix. It's a chai, I want to say it's like an oat chai muffin mix using upcycled dates and upcycled oat milk flour. And I thought that was a really unique partnership because again, it, it, it re- represents two like-minded brands coming together to bring something really special to retail shelves. Absolutely love that. And I think that's one thing that we've both seen is this trend towards brands and founders like collaborating where, right, as a founder, a lot of us are friends kind of with our companies supporting each other. And there's always this sense of like, hey, maybe we can leverage our partnership, like working together with our products to actually achieve more and to reach new customers. And I love kind of seeing this collaborative approach that's in our industry where with everything going so chaotic, kind of coming together versus pushing everyone apart. Absolutely. So yeah, let's I kind think of that's one of the things that makes CPG and food and beverage in particular very special to be a part of. I love that. So let's kind of look into 2023. What are you or trends are you kind of seeing or expecting both from or either from the product side or from the, the innovation side or kind of founder side? Anything that you see coming forward? Sure. So I am kind of expecting a continuation of a lot of trends that we saw really pop up or evolve this past year. One of them being functional food is on fire. We're seeing it all across the board in every aisle of the grocery store with every type of health or functional benefit that you can imagine. So digestive health, cognitive and mental support sleep support, energy, which is probably the biggest part of that category. But we're seeing it in a lot of unique applications. So some of my favorites this year were Mighty Gum, which it's a single skew brand right now. They have an immunity supporting gum. So it has all of these botanicals and herbs that are meant to support immunity. And I know he's launching a digestive support based gum with ginger. And I want to say some enzymes that are naturally occurring in in fruits like papaya that help support digestion. Adaptogenic trail mix is another favorite of mine that came out of this year from Toodaloo Superfoods. Yeah, just, you know, baking mixes, ready to eat snacks, beverages, anything that you can think of packing some kind of superfood ingredient with roots in Ayurvedic or Chinese healing traditions, or, you know, even ingredients that have a little bit more, just have been more recently discovered to be beneficial. I love functional foods. And with, you know, my brand T-Squares, we were big into functional greens as well, kind of leading with, with green tea matchas and black tea matchas, and then also having ashwagandha in our products. One challenge though, that I also experienced from doing that is that this idea of like functionality in food is both very ancient from the standpoint of people using food as medicine for thousands of years, but also very modern where there's a lot of these ingredients that people are very unfamiliar with. And educating consumers is also kind of very challenging around like, why ashwagandha? Like, are these ingredients having an effect on my body? I'm kind of curious from your standpoint, are there any ways that you see brands are using functional ingredients that are resonating with consumers that consumers are like, oh, these are the kind of functionalities I'm looking for? Sure. So I think that brands are really trying to navigate that and and trying to understand what they can legally say on their package in terms of what the FDA will allow to say this supports 
brain health or bone health or mood support, how much of the ingredient can you use in the product and how much of it is bioavailable to the body after processing or even sitting on a shelf for so many months? So there's a lot of questions. I think that brands are starting to explore clinical trials specifically on their finished product, not just on the ingredients used in their product. I think that's a really great way to gain consumer trust and just really prove out that their products are effective because you could just put a sprinkling of ashwagandha in something and say it's good for this. And, you know, the consumer may try it and believe in it, or they may develop some level of skepticism and think that anything that's branded as a functional food is just some kind of marketing gimmick. No, I think that's so true. I love the idea of using the clinical trials. And it's something that I'm frankly, really surprised that a lot of food brands haven't done before. Maybe they don't have expertise. Even some of the larger companies haven't done too many food trials. I just think of even like Cheerios and that brand around lowering cholesterol, helping to lower cholesterol. I know that was a really big study for Cheerios and that's kind of a big part of their marketing, but you don't really see too many claims backed by clinical trials or research from that kind of in the food industry. When I think it's really expensive and resource intensive, I know of one fairly new brand that's done it and that's Supergut. It used to be Munique and it's a brand of bars and shakes that are formulated with a proprietary blend of resistant starch, which comes from unripened green bananas. And I want to say like oat, oat beta glucan and a few other things that together in the finished product they have conducted gold standard testing to determine that the product can help move the needle on a number of of health indicators. I definitely love that brands like looking into into this. I think that's really cool. Mm-hmm. You know, it almost makes me wonder if there's an opportunity for brands to partner together around functionality to educate consumers, kind of more of the consumer advocate or consumer educational group, where to say like, hey, these are the various ingredients that are out there. These are the ways that have been shown to help improve your health in various ways. And then here are kind of some products that help support that with minimal efficacy levels. Because I think you hear from brands individually, but I wonder if there is a larger organization kind of talking about it, if that would help to move the consumer needle. Yeah, I agree. And I I wouldn't be surprised if we did see something like that, specifically around mushrooms, because I think there's just so much traction there. And a lot of brands that are are very like Forage, for example, that's a, a great example of a brand that's really helping educate the consumer on mushrooms and, and doing a really great job of reaching the consumers where they are. But in the past year, we saw the emergence of the Clean Oil Crew, which was a collective of brands that are, I they're using they're avoiding seed oils. I think they're um, using like avocado oils and things like that. Coconut right? oil, olive oil, and and basically just avoiding vegetable and seed oils. And then we've seen a, a sweetener or like a, a lower sugar collective. I can't remember what that's called, but that was an alliance with brands like Enlightened, which is a frozen dessert brand. High Key, the keto cookie company. I think there was, I think Lemon Perfect was in there too. And so seeing these brands come together on those causes and finding ways to collaborate, to educate the consumer, not only about their products and get in front of consumers, but also about the movement that they're pioneering in, you know, in those cases, clean oil and lower sugar. I love that. And I have seen a lot of those groups. And so I'm, I'm, I want to look into probably have some of those advocacy groups on our, on the podcast to kind of talk about what they're doing and the efforts that they're making, because I've seen the announcements, but I haven't kind of seen the behind the scenes things or what they're implementing. And I would love to help share that story. So that's a good reminder for that. 
Beyond functionality, what other trends are you looking forward to in the next year? So I think the the plant-based evolution continues. We've seen a slowdown in the meat alternative category. A lot of it is is driven by consumers who tried the product and, and felt like, well, this isn't really worth the price. Consumers are definitely a lot more value conscious now with the economic volatility that we're experiencing. But I'm seeing several examples of brands that are really doing a back to basics to plant-based type approach to product innovation. So Actual Veggies is one of my favorite brands doing this. And they have a really beautiful veggie-based burger. I think they have five SKUs now. There's like a green one that has peas and I can't remember all the vegetables. There's an orange one with sweet potato and carrots and there's a purple one with beets and then there's a black bean one. And I know they're working on like a truffle one, which I tried to Expo East and it's really delicious. But the point of that product is it's very clean, all veggies, you know, all of the ingredients. Yeah, I love that. And then they're actually, like you mentioned, they're not trying to mask plants as meat. They're just saying, hey, these are really great veggies and you should eat them. (laughs) And and it might be in a patty form to fit on a burger or something or like a, a, a bun, but you know that they're veggies. And I think that you're right, like the plant-based movement has been co-opted a little bit from the standpoint of generally brands using it to mean like no artificial ingredients as plant-based and maybe like no meat product in there. But I think a lot of brands have kind of gone too far and like things that obviously should be plant-based, they're calling plant-based. I was like, but are they like, what's in there? So anyway, I I have a lot to say on those topics. (laughs) Yeah, when I think that like, the pendulum's kind of swinging back where we don't need plants to taste like meat. We want plants to taste like plants. Or I think a lot of, especially consumers who mostly eat vegetarian vegan diets, they don't necessarily want a heme flavored burger that, you know, bleeds when they cook it and sizzles on the grill. They, you know, I mean, those consumers are looking for real whole food plant-based ingredients. Yeah. And I think that I remember talking to a founder of a plant-based meat company and I won't you know, call him out here, but one thing that she said was where she saw the industry going was in a future where meat production could not keep up with meat demand would be the time for plant-based meats. And so a lot of those, rec- the efforts now are kind of helping support that, but that the consumer kind of taste preferences of mimicking meat are not where where there should be, where it should be now. And that was okay, right? It's like a 30-year journey <laughs> that kind of got really accelerated because of investment and in trying to get that out to consumers. And clearly consumers have spoken and said like, hey, we're not quite ready for it yet. Maybe in the future where meat is is $20 a pound or we can't get it, then like it might make sense, but we'll kind of push that toward the future. Other trends that you see for next year? So I've been seeing a lot of energy around convenience, whether, and and really it's elevated convenience, right? So meal prep and shortcuts and starters and sauces and KitchenAids and things that bring a restaurant quality experience into the home kitchen in a fraction of the time that it takes to prepare something. So I've seen that trend called out across several predictions, forecasts, specialty food association had something about convenience being more sought after and Innova market insights had, they called the trend quick quality. And I think the idea is that we're looking for shortcuts, but we want sophisticated shortcuts and, and things that don't compromise on nutrition or experience you know, not simply just like a microwavable dinner, but something that's really elevated and and redefines value beyond the price of the product. I love that. 
you know, it just reminds me of one of my favorite products out there is actually a Whole Foods branded frozen pizza that has like, it's like a, I forget what they call it, but like a flatbread inspired or chef's inspired pizza, but it has fig and like premium ingredients on it that tastes like you got it from a restaurant, not something you just like threw in the oven. And it's absolutely delicious. And I prefer it over some like restaurant pizza too, but I love that kind of idea. It's like, but sophisticated food. Right. Yeah. And then kind of similar to that, I'm seeing a lot of comfort food sort of being upscaled or redefined or reinvented. We mentioned chubby snacks earlier. That's one of my favorite examples of this trend where, you know, here's a company that that saw a product in the marketplace that can only pl- can play in the conventional retail space that, you know, you're never going to find Uncrustables at Whole Foods. So this product kind of fills that void. And then TBH does the same with Nutella. The brand Snow Days kind of takes on Totino's pizza rolls with a grain-free cassava-based crust and uh, grass-fed cow's milk and, you know, really premium ingredients. And and I think a lot of a very nutritious sauce that's primarily vegetables. And then one product that's coming out soon that I'm really excited about, I I got a sneak peek is Must Love, which makes like oat milk and banana-based frozen desserts. They are getting into the shelf-stable cookie category and they're kind of doing a no added sugar take that's sweetened with dates on, you know, those like frosty coated animal crackers. Yeah. So kind of like that. I don't want to call out any names, but I think it's, you know, like the circus animal type crackers that yeah, we all totally. know that are like covered in frosting and, and they have a couple of skews coming out and they are delicious. And then another brand that I like that's doing something kind of similar is Outstanding Foods, which is a plant-based brand who has R&D firepower from one of Beyond Meats, like OG R&D people. They have dairy-free cheese balls in a lot of nostalgic flavors like pizza and um, bacon cheddar. And so I think just seeing all these comfort foods redefined with either better few ingredients or cleaned up ingredient decks, or even just maybe more indulgent than what we're used to. Maybe it's like eight miles, which is just a really delicious and back to the convenient thing, like a really delicious gourmet mac and cheese product that you could just heat up in the microwave. I love those examples. And I think it it appeals to a wide range of generations and demographics as well, who are looking for that like nostalgic eating experience or give something to their kids that feels better that they're like, oh, I love these as a kid. And you look at the labels, like I would never give this to my kid. <laughs> right. But having a version of that where, where they feel comfortable doing that. Exactly. The last thing I'd love to get your take on is I've seen a lot of founder... I call them like founder as as entertainment within the food space where you see people like Parker from Forage or the Midday Squares team really kind of bringing a entertaining, fun experience first and almost a product second, right? Like telling their story. I'd love to kind of hear your take on, on that. I think it's genius. I think it, you know, it seems to be working for the brands that are doing it, you know, and, and even really within like our community, you know, as an industry, we see a lot of, there's a few people on LinkedIn who have become voices of the industry and we hear from them a lot. And we all kind of look to them to, to learn and to, to seek mentorship and advice and guidance for what we're doing. I think it's a really unique approach. I think we see a lot of celebrities getting involved in this space just in terms of, you know, founding brands, you know, whether it's Katy Perry with Ba or Noah Schnapp with, TBH and then seeing a number of celebrities investing in brands and sort of becoming ambassadors in that way. So it 
doesn't seem like so far of a leap to see the founders of brands who have a lot of charisma and energy to do this, like the Midday Squares team, certainly. I think that consumers are really drawn to personalities behind the products they love. They feel like they're part of this tribe. And so to get to know founders on a more personal level through social media or even just seeing their picture on the back of the package is really powerful. And I I think it's a great way for brands to compete and, and humanize the products more. Yeah, I saw a picture that you get to see the Forge van in person not so long yeah, ago. It was super thrilling for me. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Monica, this has been great. Thank you so much for sharing your thoughts on wrapping up this year and 2023 moving forward. I can't wait to check in as the year goes on to see how things are developing. Yes, me too. Thank you so much.